Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hawley of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a GDP Minute. Listen, as I say in these openers, I'm trying my best to kind of document everything that's going on in GDP, and I'll tell you a little bit of a stressful situation that occurred before this episode. Dude, I was at my mother's condo in Lexington, where I've been running most of the episodes, and I realized like 40 minutes before the episode that the Xfinity Wi-Fi was down. So I call my mom, like, yo, mom, what's good with the Wi-Fi? Did you cancel it? She goes, no, I don't really know what happened. So I made the quick 360 GDP pivot, sprinted to my father's house in Cambridge at about 10 minutes before this episode to set up the entire podcast studio, get ready, get prepared, download Skype. And I was stressing. There was construction going on outside. You know, I was a little baked off the coffee, to be honest with you. And uh, we still pulled it off, man. I love that. That's that clutch, baby. Listen, just ran an episode with a guy named John Lee Dumas. For those who don't know, John Lee Dumas runs Entrepreneurs on Fire. It is a massive, massive business podcast for entrepreneurs. He started it when he was like 32. He was a corporate slave. And then he was like, all right, man, I got to build a podcast that drops every week. And he went to Providence College, as did I. So he was like, all right, you know, two PC guys having a good time. I'm going to keep it a buck with you. That dude went to PC far before we did. And um, it seemed like the school hasn't really changed much. It seemed like they were still doing a lot of the same things we were doing back then, or most people were doing. I was actually just in the computer lab editing Coach Connie videos. But anyway, man. I had a blast. John's a motivational speaker now and a super successful podcaster. And he talked about how he can charge $3,500 per guest for an episode. He also discussed um, some of his PC days. He discussed like being a motivational speaker and not being on all the time. And it was a 30 minute quickie. So if you guys like the quick ones, man, I'll shift to the quick ones. I'm a slave to the people. So whatever you guys want, man, I will do. Um, with that being said though, I kind of like the micro episode in this case. And I really want to shout out the research squad. Cause when we were doing some research for this episode, we were thinking like, yo, how do we set up an episode with someone who's already run over 2000 podcasts and still be refreshing? And so I think they did a really sweet job. Shouts out to the research squad. Shouts out to Bix for holding it down. JDP film on the way. Don't tell anybody. All right, guys, enjoy. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Listen, I know you're the podcast god, and so today I was preparing. We were, like, so ready to run the episode, and my Wi-Fi <laughs> was down last minute. Oh, no. So I just QB scrambled all the way from Lexington, Mass, to Cambridge, Mass, and I'm now Surrounded by a litter box at my father's house. Wow. Well, you know what? This will be a story for the ages, brother. We got a great 15 minutes ahead of us. Let's make the most of it. Absolutely. I have my producers on the phone. Lexi B, Slugs, Riley, say what's up. Hello. Hey, John. What's up, all you cool peeps? Hey, so real quick, I want to talk a little bit about the PC connection. Um, where, Where did you live when you were a senior? So I'll give you my, my all four rundown real quick. I did St. Joe's, Cunningham, Mall Brown, uh, Mall Brown. Cunningham as a sophomore. As a sophomore. Yeah. I became really good friends with my uh, RA at St. Joe's. And so he was going into Cunningham and they had a room open because it's a six person. So 
me and uh, my freshman year roommate got to live in Cunningham as a sophomore. So you were like the swag sophomore that all the other sophomores wanted to like party at your, it your was, apartment. It was killer. It was great. And But I will say I was ROTC, so I didn't get to go off campus at all. And I kind of do miss like not living on Eaton Street. Oh, you were ROTC? I know. Man. So what was that, the three three times a week, 5 a.m. wake up? Oh, it was it was bad. It was bad. And and were you a so this is there's a big split here. Brendan, who's on the phone, who's my college roommate, he was not a fan of Ray, never got a meal plan. Were you a big fan of Ray? And was that the dining hall at the time? It was the dining hall at the time. I can't say I was a big fan because I'll be <laughs> honest with you, it has become so much better since I graduated. What year did you guys get out? 2018. I mean, the fact that you guys don't like Ray now just shows you like what spoiled brats the kids are these days because Ray was so bad. It was just like a cafeteria with chairs and tables. Now I walked in there, there was like seating and pads and you could have like different options. I mean, man, it was gourmet compared to when I was there. Have you seen the new campus at all? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I'm surprised they haven't like hit you up for a keynote or like. Oh, they have. I'm actually speaking next month to uh, the business school. I'm giving like a presentation and um, I've actually been back there a couple of times for different things. So they're, they, they, I was actually featured in last month's or not last month's, but the, you know, they do a semi-annual magazine and I was featured in the, in the magazine, the last most recent one. They're like, this is the podcast God. He came out of our. That's what they said actually in, in the. In the <laughs> Hey, man. Well, um, thank you so much for doing this. I Ooh, actually, uh, right here, have uh, my, my PC100 pin. Well, so what uh, did you graduate? Oh, two. I'm old. Dude, what are you, like 70? I mean, I might as well be. I'm 40. But, man, I'm looking at myself right now, and I'm like, you look great. So, you I don't know. Look, you look Something's working down here in Puerto Rico. I don't know. Yeah. So, so when did you make the shift out to Puerto Rico? Is it for tax reasons? Four years ago, because I was living in San Diego, which I loved, but I hated, you know, making multiple millions of dollars a year tax wise. So I came to Puerto Rico and I went from 51% taxes to four. Now, why does it- this is my backyard, by the way. So that's another reason why I don't mind Puerto Rico. That's pretty realistic. <laughs> so where, uh, why don't more millionaires do that? Like if you're making because big- um, they're not truly location independence. That's one of the problems. Like they actually have to be at a physical location somewhere in the States. So they're stuck. We are truly location independent. I mean, I've run my business, you know, during my 90 day European trips to Prague to, um, you know, Budapest, Fiji. I mean, wherever I'm connecting to the internet, like I'm, when I go home to visit my parents, like you're at right now, like I'm, flipping open my laptop and I'm getting work done. Now, are you one of those entrepreneurs who like has to kind of be out and talk to people to shake and move? Or are you someone who can kind of lock in at the crib and get a bunch of work done? I'm locking at the crib, get a bunch of work done. This quarantine, like I, I'm, I'm disappointed obviously for a lot of reasons and I'm saddened by it for a lot of reasons. I know it, it's just is really disturbing and it's, it's messing a lot of people's lives up, but I'll say for my business, like it really hasn't impacted it much at all. In fact, in some ways it's, you know, been an eye opener for a lot of people about why they need to have more of a location independent business, why they need to have a podcast and not rely on going to places to speak in person because now they can't, but guess what? We can do this right here 
and you're at your home or your parents' home and I'm here in my home and like we're able to have this kind of amazing conversation and I've got 20 of these calls today. Like I'm able to do 20 of these. If like, you know, I was to go to a conference later, you know, today or this weekend, like that would like consume three or four days for just like one event where now I can do essentially 20 small events and some of them are large events because I'm on some, you know, really big podcasts and some really big like master um, webinars that, you know, could be in front of 300, 500,000 people. Now, before we move on, can you just give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do for anyone who doesn't know? So my name is John Lee Dumas. I am a 2002 Providence graduate, which makes me very old in the eyes of Connor. I'm uh, actually just turned 40 years old and that's it's mind blowing. But believe me, my friends, you are going to blink and you'll be as old as me. So enjoy it because uh, it goes by fast. And back in 2012, so that was even before you enrolled at Providence, I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire as a daily podcast, interviewing the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Um, it was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs the day I launched it. It was also the worst. It was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs, which is why I was able to turn it into a success because I wasn't good. The show wasn't good. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was the only game in town. And that's why I was able to get initial traction, build up my credibility, hone my skills by doing it every single day. Like, do you think Ed Cooley lets the PC Fire basketball team practice once a week? No. So why do people think they can podcast once a week and get good at it? You can't, you got to put in the reps. So I did 2000 episodes in 2000 days. Like I'm like David Duke on the Providence College basketball team. And uh, I'm, I'm, working, I'm working on my craft every single day of the week. And I get a little bit better every single time, just like a little bit better. And over the past eight years, I've launched over 2,600 episodes, turned entrepreneurs on fire into a business that now seven years running has not just um, grossed, but netted multiple millions of dollars per year. Moved down, moved down to uh, my uh, tax haven oasis of Puerto Rico four years ago. And now I get to keep all the money I make and uh, write big you know, alumni checks to, to Providence College. Well, question. So when you had started the show, I mean, again, we were planning for the episodes. Like, yo, this dude's been on so many podcasts. How can yeah. We I can kind of like at least have a different angle. But when you had started, you were in your car and you realized you were out of podcasts. You were working in corporate finance where specifically? John Hancock, Boston. So was it like really stifling for you at the time? Because now you realize like, yeah, Yo, you're really a grinder. You're really that type of dude who's like OCD, putting the work like crazy. Did you just kind of always feel like restless when you were working in that type of environment? So... There was like a six month period when I was learning the craft of like what variable annuities were and what corporate finance was, where I was actually really enjoying it. You know, I was busy for most of the day. I was meeting people that were working, you know, in cubicles next to me. I had this, you know, office where I had this unbelievable view of Boston, you know, being a Providence College graduate, like most of my friends like moved up to Boston afterwards. And so they were in the city. So it was kind of like, you know, like a little adult college, so to speak, like in Boston. And that's what Southie is. It's PC North. Yeah. Good point. I mean, 
Selfie uh, is PC North, and I, I think you might know this, maybe not, but I actually, with my college roommate, bought a uh, condo on uh, East Broadway, I and East Broadway Street. And so we owned that place for like five years. It was awesome. It was a three bedroom, it had a roof deck over, an, um, like with the city skyline, and it was so much fun. But after six months, um, I started getting that stifling feeling that you were talking about, where I was like, getting tired of putting on a suit and commuting in every single day, you know, picking up the phone calls and smiling and dialing. And essentially what it came down to was working really, really hard, making other people money. Cause I was going to get that same essentially paycheck every month. Like I might get a little bit more and a little bit less based on commission, but you know, for the most part, I'm making like the range of like 60 to 80,000 a year. Like that wasn't going to change if I crushed it or if I was, you know, horrible. And I realized that I was kind of like stuck in that little uh, kind of block right there. And that's when I really started kind of going downhill as frankly, an employee for John Hancock. And my last six months, my numbers went down, you know, my stat, like the first six months, I was like the best. Like I was the most calls, the most talk time, the most sales. The last six months are like, dude, what's up? I'm just like, ah, I'm just, I just lost my motivation. Like it was fun for a minute, but now like I'm tired of making other people money. Like, I want to make my, my, myself money. And like, that's where I found I can work so hard for myself, but I turn really lazy, really quick when I'm working for somebody else. It's just, it's who I am. I feel you, man. At, at what point did you know, know you kind of had a motor though, growing up, you're like, you know what, I might have something going on in my mind. that's a little bit different than the kids I'm going to school with. It really wasn't like that. I wish I could say that it was, I mean, I was just a floater. I was just, floating by I was literally a 3.04 GPA at Providence so like, like my- I, <laughs> but man like I really had to work hard to get up to that like I you know my freshman year was terrible and like I really had to work my butt off to just get to that flat three GPA you know which is very average and you know I we got paid 75 bucks a week to be in ROTC and like that was more than enough money for me. So I never like went and got other jobs or hustled or tried to make more money. Like I just lived off of that 75 bucks a week, which is plenty of money for a college student, as I'm sure you, you know, and what? especially when that is not enough now, 75 bucks. That's all you had per week, man. Come on. I take 20 bucks to Louis like for Friday night, like good there. I take five bucks to golden crust the following day to kind of like have a hangover pizza. Like I was yeah. good to go. With five bucks bucks a week. More like the buff chick pizza back then. Oh, it was so good. It was the best. I'd have it every day, just dipping it in blue cheese and just having going to town. <laughs> Calorie blaster. Hey, did you like Eastside pockets on Thayer? Oh, loved it. But you know, getting to Thayer was kind of a, was kind of a bummer. They didn't really have like meal delivery back in the day. So it wasn't like super convenient for us to get over there because a lot of us didn't even have cars. So um, I think if I was to go back now, like with all the food delivery, like I would just sit back and like, you know, like order that place every single day, all day. But you know, at the end of the day, like I was just looking to have fun, go out, chat with girls, do the thing. And it wasn't really until, you know, kind of my mid to late twenties where I started like really failing at a lot of things. Like, you know, I just like dropped, you know, quit corporate finance, dropped out of law school, wasn't successful in real estate that I realized, you know what, I'm now like getting into my thirties and I'm either going to be like skimping quote unquote floating by the rest of my life, or I'm just going to buckle down, crush it and own my life where like I can do whatever I want. 
And I chose the latter and I'm glad I did, but it wasn't easy. You know, I put a lot of work in and it's really allowed me to kind of, you know, build this financial war chest where, you know, now I can travel the world. I can work, you know, from my home here in Puerto Rico and I can have great conversations with people like you. You're a boss, man. A lot of my friends right now are, they're reaching an inflex point because you leave school. I didn't, I started Golden Deer Productions right out of, at school and then right out of school and I kept it going. And it's a grind, man. Like, it's just no joke, you know? But a lot of my friends are reaching the point, they're two years out, three years out, and they're like, dude, what have I done the last two, three years? I mean, you're a super motivational dude and like you're totally career focused. Do you have any thoughts on like, you know, how someone can make a pivot at this point? Well, I hope that people are taking some motivation for the fact that like, I can say that, like what happened to my last 10 years, you know, when I graduated college, like from 22 to 32, I mean, obviously I spent four years as an officer in the army. So I, I have no regrets there. Like I did my time in the service and I'm proud of that, et cetera, et cetera. But from 26 to 32, like, like th those are what I call my, my lost years, my struggle years. So, I mean, like for people that are just two or three years out, like you're still kind of in this mode of like what, you know, like what works, you know, let's try this, let's, let's test that. And I would just recommend people keep doing that. I mean, I think the biggest mistake you can make right now is just saying, you know what, like I've got bills to pay, I've got college debt, I've got this, I've got that. Like I just need to stay in this job that I hate and just, you know, just just barely scrape by and keep doing it. It's like, now's the time when like, you probably don't have kids, you probably don't have a big mortgage, you know, you probably don't have a lot of the, you know, the craziness that like people seem to, to tack onto their lives as they get into their later 20s, early 30s, et cetera, and beyond. Now's the time, man, like get out there. You know, I, I wish I had your attitude and I took your action when I was 18, 20, 22 years old. Um, again, I look at my life and I said, I just, I would have just got where I'm at a lot faster. So, I mean, you're on the right path. And I think anybody who's listening to this and that's kind of looking and saying, I've had a, a lost couple of years, like look at that and say, you know what, there's lessons to be learned. I've learned what I don't like doing. I've learned how I don't want to live my life. Now let me taste this. Let me try that. Let me sample this and let me expect to fail. Like there's no problem thinking you're going to fail or expecting to fail because you can learn so much from that. I mean, I fail all the time and I'm making millions of dollars a year, but I'm failing, 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 crushing it. Failing, 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 hitting a single. Hashtag Gary Vaynerchuk crushing it. Boom. Which by the way, chapter 14, read know, it. He featured me. Good for you. What was, what was getting that call like? It was awesome. I mean, cause listen, back in 2008, you know, what was I like 25 years old? I read that book, crush it. His first book. And I loved it. And then, you know, I was so excited to get him as a guest on my show, like back in 2012. When, and he wasn't even that huge back then. Like he's since blown up, you know, next level. But back then he was a big deal, but now he's a massive deal. Um, and having him on the show was awesome. And then like four years after that, in 2016 or so, when I heard he was coming out with Crushing It, I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Then I heard he was going to feature like 20 entrepreneurs and I heard he's going to feature like Lewis House and Pat Flynn. And then like my, and then my phone rang and I was like, hello, New York number. And they're like, yes, Gary wants to feature you in his book. And I'm like, done. And it was amazing. 
quick uh quick rewind so when you had initially taken the jump obviously like there was the first two years grinding whatever like really putting in the work how did you eliminate groupthink at the time for yourself because i think that's a, one thing a lot of my friends face is they're surrounded by a bucket of people who are kind of all thinking the same i end every one of my podcasts with the exact same quote you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and listen I know that like you love your friends. I know that you probably love your family. And I'm not saying to stop spending time with friends or stop spending time with family, but you need to really audit your top five. Like there's gonna be people that you need to push to like number seven, 10, 15 of people you hang out with. Again, not cutting them off, but they just can't be as big of an influence in your life as they probably are right now. Because you're gonna be the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So like if Connor's one of your five, like you've got a good start there. Now find four other people that you respect, that you admire, that are actually trying to carve out the life that you wanna be carving out. Because if you have Connor, but then four you know, people that are just like, all they're gonna do is stay in their crappy job and complain about it every Friday night over beers, that's gonna be your life because Connor alone can't bring you up to, to, to where you need to be. You need to have your five people be rock solid. So that's where your, your focus needs to be. Surround yourself with five people. Get those five people. When your mother's whining at you about you not having a quote unquote professional job, just like smile and just ignore her to her face. I mean, when your father complains about this or that, just be like in your head, be like, you just don't get it, dad. I'm sorry. Like you don't have to say it to him, but just like, you don't get it. Like when I was 32 launching my podcast, like my dad's like, what are you doing? And I was just like, in one ear out the other and now he's just like my son's the best podcaster in the world he comes to my keynote speeches and he's like the proudest dad so like they will come around when they see that you've attained you know what they're hoping for for you which is success and happiness and that's what they all want so don't like resent them for it but man during these first few years when you're getting your feet on the ground like you've just got to zone all of them out get your core five together and make it happen Easier said than done, though, for sure. So much easier said than done. I mean, I've had to have some really tough conversations with people where I'm just like, like, John, we don't like talk or we don't we're not, like, why aren't you coming out for beers with us like on Thursday nights anymore? I'm just like, I've got other stuff I'm doing, guys. At what point did you make the shift from just like podcast grinder? And then like, when was there an inkling in your mind? You're like, you know, I kind of want to try my hand at motivational speaking. You know, it was really kind of where I got to a point when other people identified that I was ready because I didn't feel like I was ready still. Like I still kind of felt like an imposter, like I wasn't good enough. I knew that I was getting a little bit better, but I still was you know, aware that I wasn't good. And they reached out and said, you know, John, like you're not that good, but you're good enough to like start. And like, here's an opportunity for you to get out and to speak, you know, in front of 45 people at the smaller events. And I did, and I wasn't good. You know, I can go back and remember, you know, how I was that day and, you know, it's things that I just would never do now. You know, now I've spoken in front of, you know, 3,500 people, you know, as the opening keynote for a massive conference. And, you know, but it didn't, I didn't start there. You know, I started with the small steps and that's kind of the process that I went. But my advice on that would be looking back, you just need to start as soon as possible. I know, but I think there's a, there's a certain desire for people who want a motivational speak. They think that, I mean, 
how do you just maintain positivity at all times? Like you're a normal dude. I'm a normal dude. You have bad days where you're like, yo, this is whack. So listen, I'm a very normal dude. And like a lot of people, they see like you on the mic and you know, you've got good energy and you're positive and you're talking about good, you know, motivational things. I'm the same way. Like I'm high energy. Like I bring it. But dude, when we turn this microphone off, like I'm gonna sit down in my chair, I'm gonna kick my feet up, I'm gonna watch 15 minutes of Game, Game of Thrones before you know the next interview comes up. And I'm just a normal guy. Like Gary Vaynerchuk, like he's super high energy, but like believe me, he has his times where he's just like, leave me the F alone because I don't wanna to talk to anybody. Like everybody at the end of the day is a human being. So like when you're seeing that like one Instagram picture or that 15 second, you know, TikTok video or this or that, like you're just seeing people's, you know, perfectly cultivated image. Like at the end of the day, they're still human. You're still human. Just recognize that, hey, they're imperfect. I'm imperfect. What did they do that I didn't do? They actually started. They actually did something. Now we got about six minutes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do the GDP value bomb. No, you 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 got me until uh, fifteen past. We got another ten minutes. Well, let's go. I'm having a great time. Are you, man? Me too. Yeah, you, you double booked me. I, I must give you the PC, uh, the PC hookup because that doesn't happen, but I just checked my schedule. You got me till 15 minutes past. So let's make the most of it. PC discount, baby. Holla. So how does, how does your show work monetarily? Because I know someone who's been on your show. They paid the big bucks to, to be a guest. They loved it. I actually texted the guy. His name is Greg O'Brien. He's a CPA. He ran an episode with you. I'm sure you've run a million, but he was like, yeah, John just runs like a wicked tight ship. How do you evaluate like, Hey man, listen, if you come on our show, it's trust me, it's worth this much. Yeah. So obviously I did not start charging what I now call appearance fees day one, because I didn't have the ability to do so. I didn't have the audience. I didn't have the potential return on investment for my guests that were coming on. And, you know, frankly, I was just not, not, I want to go as, as far as begging, but I mean, like I had to really work hard as a daily podcast, needing 30 episodes every single month. I had to work hard to, to really keep my pipeline full. So, you know, I was really putting in the work and when people would say yes, I was just grateful for it. But then as the show got bigger and as people started seeing it ranked, you know, in the top of business podcasts and they started looking at, uh, at our income reports where we share our numbers and, and the fact that we're getting over a million listens every single month of the podcast. And, you know, I'm keynoting conferences and, you know, we're launching courses and they're just kind of seeing this, you know, um, really big success that our business overall is having. That's when I kind of reached this tipping point where now all of a sudden I was getting, you know, five inquiries a week to be on the show. And then it was 10 and then it was 20. And like, and this was over years but then I reached a tipping point where I was getting more people inquiring about being on the show than I even had spots for. And that was a cool thing. So now I'm just like, wow, now I've actually just like, you know, Providence College has to vet people to, you know, accept them to the school. They get like 10,000 applications for a thousand spots. I was getting like 50, you know, inquiries for 30 spots. And I was like, okay, I can actually, ha I have to say no to some people now. And I can really try to make sure that I'm get, bringing the best people on. And then over more time, that number has grown to where now we get anywhere from four to 500 applications a month to be on Entrepreneurs on Fire. And we've moved to a three times per week show. So that's for 12 spots. I have a full-time virtual assistant whose sole job it is to converse with and 
kind of filter through all these applications just to bring me the creme de la creme. Was it weird for you charging the first time? I didn't know what to expect. I was like, you know what? This is going to be weird because I'll tell you guys like something, cause it was a really good question that like, I really haven't brought up um, on many, many past interviews cause it just never has come up. But back pre-launch of Entrepreneurs on Fire, I had a mentor, Jamie Masters. She's a very successful podcast host. And she said, how are you going to make money with your podcast? Like that was just her trying to start a conversation with me and, and us to identify different ways to monetize. And I said, well, I feel like when my show gets popular enough that like people will pay to come on because it's going to give them massive exposure and you know, they're going to get a lot of book sales and course sales and they're going to get return on their investment. And she's like, John, people aren't going to pay to be on a podcast. Like, that's just not how it's done. I was like, oh, okay. And you know what? She was right. People are going to pay to be on just any podcast. But I got to the point years and years later, thousands of episodes in, where I realized that, you know what, the return on investment to the show is huge. I'm getting emails from past guests talking about, you know, how they made $50,000 on course sales the day their episode went live. I literally have a testimonial on uh, my guest in, um, application page where one of my guests directly attributes over a million dollars in sales since the podcast has launched. So, I mean, like there's just some situations where you can really hit it out of the park. And so the first time I, you know, push that send button on the guest appearance fee. I was like, you know, this is, this is, this is weird, but I feel like this is a step I need to take. I need to at least test these waters and Hey, if I get horrible feedback and nobody's willing to do it, then I'll just readjust. Like I can do that. I'm getting enough people applying on a monthly basis. And I remember the guy wrote back, he was like, let's do it. And boom, payment came in. And I was like, boom. And now like, I've just been trying to be like, okay, like what's the right price point? Because you know, it's all about supply and demand. And I don't want to like, you know, have this ridiculous number that I'm going to have great guests saying no to just because it's not, you know, this reasonable fair price, but we've settled on $3,500 per episode. Um, and so if you, you know, do the math, I mean, that's over $10,000 per week, just from guests, not to mention we have sponsorships, you know, we have books and courses and affiliate revenue. So, you know, it's a huge revenue stream for us, for sure. Um, just last month, we had 16 people pay the appearance fee because, you know, we had to book a couple extra people for various things. And so it's real money coming in. It was like $60,000. And it, um, you know, it's something that I will share since we have the time to talk about it real quick has been one of the best decisions that I've made for Entrepreneurs on Fire because, and this is key, when people pay, they pay attention. And so when somebody now pays $3,500, let me tell you a couple of things. That person shows up on time. That person shows up ready to rock it. That person shows up prepared for the interview. That person delivers massive value on that interview. That person has an amazing free call to action now because they spent $3,500 up front. They want to get their investment and then some on the back end. So they have these great giveaways, these great calls to action. Like a, a killer example is we have guests that give away 15 to 30 minute free consultation calls for my listeners because they know that they're going to be able to make that up on the back end and it's going to be a great call to action for them. So it's improved almost every facet of Entrepreneurs on Fire because now when people are actually coming on my show, 
like they had skin in the game. Like this didn't happen often in the past, but every now and then I'd get somebody on the show and they'd be like, Hey, give me a quick update. Like, what's this about? Like my secretary booked this. I don't really know. I've never heard of the show and da, 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 da. And that's fine. Like, like that they didn't hear about the show before, but they just had this nonchalant attitude. And again, it was a small percentage, but it happened. That never happens anymore because you were pissed. You were pissed. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was pissed. I was like, do you effing know how many people are going to listen to the show? I'm like, here you are, some dude who's probably never spoken to 50 people live before. And you're just, you know, kind of come on this show and have hundreds of thousands of earballs. And you're just, you know, gonna gonna wing it. You and remember that's an ha- my name too. I know you remember him by name. I've got I've got a list, and they'll never be back on the show again. That I promise. Um, yeah, we got like three minutes. So I'm gonna hit him real quick. Uh, Riley, why don't you get your question off real quick? Hello, um, I'm Riley. My question is: um, He's obviously done a ton of interviews, and she's done a ton of podcasts. So what's a question you've never been asked that you've always wanted to be asked? A question that I've never been asked is if I could live anywhere in the world while running my business, where would I live? I've never been asked that question. So what's the answer? (laughs) So I'm sure my answer will change over the years, but right now I just have this really strong desire to live for an extended period of time and run my business in Singapore. I've never been, but I've talked to many people who I'm close friends with that love Singapore. Say it's so super business friendly. It's clean. It's got a lot of stuff going on for it. So again, I've never been, but like that to me is my dream to like move to Singapore for a year, run the business there and um, just kind of enjoy a completely different culture. Cause you know, that's one thing that I feel like a lot of us are missing is just like throwing ourselves into completely different cultures and seeing how we react, not for like a week vacation, but for like a year. All right, real quick. So we have one ending bit on the show. It's called GDP sales mode. I give you the floor for 40 seconds. I'm going to pull up my phone, hit the timer. You can pitch whatever you want to pitch for 40 seconds. And Got it. I'm- we count down from five and you hit, listen, man, you're the master salesman. So you better come through with some fire. Sure. Tell me when. Four, three, two, one, salesman, go. If you are not where you want to be in life right now, there's one simple reason. You don't know how to set and accomplish one goal in a set time frame. Lucky for you, I have the solution, the freedom journal. It's all about you setting and accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days. We start off with you setting a SMART goal, that's specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound. And then over 100 days, I take you through the process of accomplishing your number one goal. With 10-day sprints, 25-day quarterly reviews, by the end of those 100 days, you will accomplish your number one goal, period. Done, got it. Okay, cool. Also, this is how we start and end the show. You say, hi, my name is blank your name and this is my golden hour directly after no break hi your name and that was my golden hour hi this is john lee dumas and this is my golden hour bang hi hi this is john lee dumas and this was my golden hour it's that was it's that was john oh hi this is john lee dumas and that was my golden hour Well executed, man. Hey, thank you so much for doing this for us. 
It was a blast. Go Friars and uh, keep up the heat, my man. All right. Hey, I want to, I'm not going to ask your address on air, but I got a new sweatshirt. I want to ship it down to you. I will send you a message right now on Zoom. You're my guy, man. Hey, thank you so much for doing this. All right, actually, I'll send it on Skype because I get you pulled up right there. All right, cool. You're the go, bro. Thank you.